Brian and Marie back. I know you've both been going through issues here lately, and hopefully you're recovering well, so that's good to have them back as well. And we have a, a visitor here tonight. Dean, welcome. Glad, glad you can be with us tonight. And, uh, again, you're, you're missing a treat by not having our pastor here, so you're going to have to deal with me. And, and I've done this a couple times, so I, I guess I'm no stranger to being up here, but every every time it happens, it's, it's a blessing and a and a little bit of a curse because it's always scary because you're you're sharing the word of God and that's not to be be taken lightly um, and you know they uh, people have different names for this particular day and the Bible talks about esteeming one day or another but if you don't wake up in the morning as a Christian and realize that the resurrection is something to be considered every every day of your life not just on Sundays uh, you're missing out on a blessing uh, because it is, it is important. It's not, it's not just important, obviously, that he rose again, um, but to think about the suffering and to think about the humiliation. I mean, this, this, is, this is God incarnate that we're dealing with that went through all this for, for you and I. Uh, and that's, uh, that's, that's pretty humbling uh, to think about. But we are, we are glad. Uh, if you think about world religions today, uh, we are part of a religion, if you want to use that term, uh, that has a risen Savior. Nobody, nobody else has got one of those. I mean, Confucius is dead in the ground. Uh, for those that believe that Muhammad is their savior, he's dead in the ground. He's got a tomb. Uh, but we've got a risen savior, and, and that, that is something to be, be considered. Uh, when the pastor asked me to, to fill in right after the morning service, I thought, okay, I can do that. Um, really wasn't curtains, you know, sure of what, what direction it was going to go, but uh, I picked a song that is often sung on Resurrection Sunday, and I didn't know if Joel was going <laughs> to come up with that one or not, because there's about a dozen or so songs that are really good, that really tell the message of resurrection, but the song I was looking at is, you know, uh, I serve a risen Savior, you know, uh, he lives. Uh, it's a relatively new song, if you think about it. It was just penned in 1933 by a Presbyterian uh, minister, uh, but it, it Obviously, gets gets a lot of uh, a lot of singing done during uh, during this time of year, and I looked at that song and I like that song because uh, obviously because of what it said. But when I look at when I look at songs, one of the things that that we were told when we used to sing in the choir in in Washington State um, is to get to the words. I mean, because really the, the song is a message. The reason why they have choirs, the reason why we sing songs before the service is to prepare, prepare people's hearts for the message to come. Um, and so I always try to look at, at the scripture, what, you know, what, kind, what scriptures might have moved uh, this minister, you know, to put these words together in, into a song, because most all these songs that we sing, there's scripture behind them. If, if not quite literally, uh, you know, we can look for a scripture that really ties in with the words. So I kind of want to look at some of the scripture that, that I feel as, as I've read or, you know, sung this song. Um, and, and the first verse really... Again, as I mentioned, it says it all. I serve a risen Savior. Um, there's, only, there's only one, and that's, that's Jesus Christ our Lord. And in Luke 24, 6, it says, He's not here, that he is risen. Remember how he spake unto you when he was yet in Galilee, saying, The Son of Man must be delivered into the hands of sinful men and be crucified, and the third day risen again. So we serve a risen Savior. Let's go to prayer. Father God in heaven, Lord, uh, we are so glad that we have a risen Savior we thank you for those that have come out tonight. We do pray in earnest, Lord, for our pastor, uh, for what he's going through and whatever this, uh, this illness that might have overtaken him, Lord, that you'll uh, give the doctor's wisdom to get him what he needs to get on the road to recovery. 
We look forward to being, have him back with us soon. Lord, again, just allow your Holy Spirit to work through me and, and uh, hide me behind the cross, Lord, as I bring forth your words tonight. And we just thank you for your many blessings. And most of all, Lord, for your resurrection and, and for your death for our sins on the cross of Calvary. In Jesus' name, amen. So in, in Luke, it's quite evident, you know, it's kind of interesting because all of, the, all of the disciples obviously were in shock. I mean, they all had different ideas about what Christ was going to do. They really didn't expect him to die. That was going to be their, their, their king. I mean, that was going to be their leader and get him out of Roman rule. And, and they had a lot of other visions, uh, you know, in their mind as to, as to why Christ came. Uh, so his death on the cross, I mean, they, they all kind of scattered to the hills. If, you know, if you think about it, when that happened, they thought, oh, you know, our leader's gone. Uh, we're next, so <laughs> they wanted to get out of Dodge. Um, so obviously they didn't, they didn't listen to his message because here's, here's an angel. And this is one of the, the angels that were at her tomb telling, telling these ladies that came upon the tomb that morning that he told you. You know, he said he spoke unto you when he was in Galilee saying, remember, he's going to be delivered and he was going to be crucified. And I guess they just kind of missed that message that, that came from Jesus. And they thought, well, you know, I'm not sure what that means, but, but we're going to be all right. Well, he told them what was going to happen. And uh, then it says, you know, he's in the world today. I know that he is living. Uh, let's turn to Galatians 2.20, if you would. And Galatians 2.20 tells us, I am crucified with Christ, nevertheless I live, yet not I, but Christ liveth in me, and the life which I now live in the flesh I live, by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. There's a lot in that verse. Um, the thing that sticks out here for me, I'm crucified with Christ. So, yes, you know, when we have baptism, that's the, the picture of the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. So we talk about being buried with Christ, being rose again with Christ. But, you know, it takes, it takes a little while, I think, on your Christian journey to really get this second part that says, I live, yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. You know, I know first, and I was talking to, I was talking to uh, uh, Matt, you know, this afternoon before, before the meal we shared about when you're first saved, that concept of Christ living in you and making him a part of your person and who you are um, takes a while. It doesn't, it doesn't come immediately. And, and I know, you know, it took a while in my Christian life to have that revelation that, you know, it's not something I do or it's not, it's not a role I play or it's not, you know, it's not like being on a team. So I go to my team meetings on Sunday. Uh, it's, it's allowing the Holy Spirit. And we don't talk a lot about the Holy Spirit necessarily, but there is a Holy Spirit that he gave us just for that purpose to allow Christ to be in us and to live through us. And so it's, you know, I live, yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. In the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God. So again, it's, it's through that faith we have in what Jesus taught us. So not only did he, did he rise from the grave, but he also told him, I'm coming back. And that's our blessed hope, and we'll talk about that a little bit later. But, you know, he, he did give of himself and give, give, uh, give of himself to us. Um, so, you know, whatever may may say, I see his hand of mercy, I hear his voice of cheer, and just the time I need him, he's always near. Um, look at 1 Peter 1.3 real quick. First Peter chapter 1, verse 3 said, 
says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, which according to his abundant mercy hath begotten us again unto a lively hope by the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. So, you know, again, here we're talking about it says, you know, I see his hand of mercy. I think any one of us who have been saved for any length of time can understand the mercy of God. Uh, he, you know, I can't count the number of times in my 35 plus years of being saved that God hasn't been merciful to me when he had no business being merciful to me. Uh, you know, I, I know the error of my ways. I knew I shouldn't have done certain things, but God's mercy had allowed, you know, whatever punishment I, I could have been dole, you know, doled out uh, to be a lot lighter than what it was only through God's mercies. And so his, you know, his mercy, uh, we see his hand of mercy almost every day. I saw his hand of mercy in our accident. I mean, 22 people in a six-car collision, and everybody walked away. I, you know, I don't know how many of those people might have been saved, but God was merciful to those people. Uh, you know, he, they, all have, they all are part of his plan, whether they're saved or not right now. Uh, he's looking at them. And he found, he found mercy, I think, in, in saying, well, we're not, we're not going to wreak any havoc down here right now. This is, we're going we're to make sure all these people walk away. So that's a recent you know, experience in my life where, where God's mercy has come into play. Um, and then also another, another verse about mercy is Hebrews 4.16. It says, let us therefore come boldly onto the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in the time of need. So that's kind of both the fact that we see his hand of mercy, we hear his voice of cheer, and just the time I need him, he's always near. Um, and I think that's one of the things I'm most thankful for. All the, you know, every time I need him, he's always near. I've never had to wait for a reply, or I've never had to, you know, wonder, where's God? And I know some people have, you know, that I've talked to have had that experience where they feel like God left them. They feel like, well, God doesn't care about them anymore. And, and that's a shame. That's something that really needs to be prayed about because he, he's right there. He never leaves us nor forsakes us. So he's, he's always near. And I think, I think we realize that more the nearer we are to him, the obviously the more we're going to realize that, you know, he's always near to us. And so that really, you know, that really comes into play here in the fact that so uh, the throne of grace and being able to take our prayers and supplications again directly to that, that throne through prayer as well. Let's go back in the Old Testament for a minute. Look at Deuteronomy 31. There is a verse in the Bible that tells us that Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And sometimes the smallest verses in the Bible have probably the most significant and reassuring verses in them. Um, But in Deuteronomy 31, in, in verse number 6, it says... Be strong and of good courage, fear not, nor be afraid of them. For the Lord thy God, he it is that doth go with thee. He will not fail thee nor forsake thee. So even, even you know, before we knew that, uh, that we had Jesus Christ, it, it's God, you know, the, of the Godhead saying he was never going to leave us nor forsake us. And it's interesting that here you've got this, this, these, these Jewish people that understand Old Testament scriptures You've got Jesus Christ himself telling you that I must die and be you know, raised again, and I'm going to come back for you. And that they even got the Old Testament here. I'm never going to leave you nor forsake you, but yet they were, so, they were in so, so much despair. So I just, I just encourage you to, 
uh, you know, as, as believers to just, you know, trust in God and know that he's, he's not going to leave you nor forsake you, even in, in the darkest times that you think all is, you know, all is for loss. Uh, Christ is still there, and, and he will never leave you nor forsake you. Um, 1 Corinthians 10, 13. This is another verse that I like as far as just the time I need him, he's always there. In 1 Corinthians 10, And verse 13, there hath no temptation taken you, but such as is common to man. But God is faithful, who will not suffer you to be tempted above that ye are able, but will with temptation also make a way to escape, that you might be able to bear it. So again, I've had to, I've had to counsel and talk with people saying, there's just no way out of this. I, you know, I don't see any light at the end of the tunnel. Uh, you know, life is just really stomping on me, and I, I don't see a way out. This is a good verse for that kind of counseling because, again, you know, obviously they need to be saved, and I'm, I'm dealing with, with a lot of Christian people in that respect. And I said, wait a minute, let's, let's go over here and take a look at what the Word of God says in 1013. And it's very clear here. I mean, there's not a, a lot that you need to, to read, read into this um, because it just says there's no temptation. So we, we get tempted by a lot of things in this world. But God gives us, always gives us a way out. So if we do make bad decisions or wrong decisions, we can take it to him in prayer, and he will help us find a way out of those situations. And I think that verse goes really good with, with the verses about the fact that he never, not only does he never leave us nor forsake us, he always helps us find a way out of whatever trials and whatever things that we're going through. Um, so that's, that's kind of the first verse. And then the second verse, it says, In all the world around me, I see his loving care, and though my heart grows weary, I, will never, I, will, I never will despair. I know that he is leading through all the stormy blasts. The day of his appearing will come at last. Look at Psalms 19. I like to, uh, I like to look at the Old Testament. Some, sometimes people don't like to go to the Old Testament that much, but there's so much richness about God and his character and who he is in the Old Testament. So in Psalms 19, the very first verse, it says, the heavens declare the glory of God, and the firmament showeth his handiwork. Uh, you ever seen a nice sunset, or you've taken vacation, and you look down on a vista that you're just, it's just, it's just awe-inspiring? That's God's handiwork. That's what he gave us to enjoy. Now, when, when the storms come, and the thunder and the lightning are freezing outside, and we're sliding on black, black ice, maybe it's not to be reminded as much of his handiwork. But again, looking at, you know, People look at the, at the things in the world and, and just the marvelous nature of the, the sun coming up or going down and all that. You can't but know that there is a designer all of that. That just didn't happen by chance. There's, there's got to be some design behind that. So if nothing else will prompt people to think about a, you know, uh, a God and a creator, uh, his handiwork uh, should do that job. People should be, be realizing that there is a creator behind all that to give, them, give us an opening to, to talk to them about God. A little further in Psalms 46. Let's go over there real quick. Your fingers aren't nimble by now. I'm all over the map here. So, uh, so Psalms 46, the first three verses, um, tells me that God is our refuge and strength, a very present, a very present help in trouble. Therefore, will not, will not we fear through the earth be removed and through the mountains be carried into the midst of the sea, though the waters thereof roar and be troubled, Though the mountains shake with the swelling thereof, Selah. 
So again, through all the stormy blasts, I mean, stormy blasts is putting a little bit light compared to what it says here in Scripture. So here's what we're talking about, you know, maybe hurricanes and, and earthquakes and all of the, the natural disasters that can be, you know, wrought upon this, this earth. God will take us all, take us all through that. Um, so through all the stormy blasts. And then it talks about the day of his appearing will come at last. And for that, we need to look at Titus. Take a quick trip over back in the New Testament. Timothy, Titus. And Titus chapter 2, look at verse 13. Titus 2, 13 says, Looking for that blessed hope and the glorious appearing of the great God and our Savior, Jesus Christ. We got anybody here that's looking for that blessed hope? Amen. I would hope so. Um, that's what keeps us going every day, knowing that we've got a Savior, but knowing that no matter what this day has to throw at us, we have that blessed hope of, of Jesus appearing and that he is, is coming again. Um, and, and so that, again, that verse is something that one of, the, uh, one of the promises of God, that's another message that, that I brought at one point in time. There's so many promises of God in the scripture, and this is, this is one that you, you probably need to keep in your, in your list of things that, you know, we, we do have that blessed hope of his, uh, the glorious appearing of the great God and our Savior, Jesus Christ. And it says, Rejoice, rejoice, O Christian, lift up your voice and sing, Eternal hallelujahs to Jesus Christ the King, the hope of all who seek him, the help of all who find. Another is so loving, so good and kind. Let's take a look at 1 Peter 3.15. Peter chapter 3. It says, But sanctify the Lord God in your hearts, and be ready always to give an answer to every man that asketh you a reason for the hope that is in you with meekness and fear. Um, when I look at that, it says, The hope of all who seek him. So we have hope, and we're supposed to share that hope with others. There's a lot of hopeless people in this world. Um, and they won't admit that they're hopeless, but they're not helpless. They, they, they need us as Christians to be able to let them know that there is hope out there for whatever is, is, is challenging their life at any given point in time. And they, they keep trying to do things in their, their own will. They rely on the government to bail them out. They rely on somebody else to help them out, whatever it might be, but they're not relying on the one that can truly help them out. That's Jesus Christ. Um, and so when I look at this verse here in, in 12, uh, 1 Peter 3.15, it, it, it helps me with that to say, um, you know, sanctify the Lord God in your hearts. And again, it's, it's part of that making God who you are, not just something you do. Um, so we need to sanctify God in our hearts and be ready always to give an answer. Again, we don't have to know Scripture verbatim. A lot of times, all it's really talking about is just sharing our testimony with people. And I know personally in my own life, I mean, that's that's gone a lot farther than trying to sit down with somebody. Oh, here, let me give you the Romans Road and do, 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 go through all this. They can't relate to that. But if you're talking to them on a personal level and say, "Let me tell you what Christ did for me," you know, this is this is my hope. This is my blessed hope. Um, so you know, it's. It makes, a, it makes a difference in, in, in presenting the gospel as well as, you know, just your testimony is enough. And that's, that's something that everybody, no matter, no matter, you know, if you've been saved a week or 
for 35 years, I mean, the hope and the reason why you have that hope is still with you. And that's, you know, if nothing else, we can share that. We may not know every single verse in the Bible that we might want to use to try to get somebody saved, but we deal with them on a personal level, and we share with them the hope that is within us in, in reaching, reaching Christ to them. And, and as, they, as they show interest in what we have to share, um, then we can get, you know, get more into specific verses and, and go through things. But you've got to have something to, to break that barrier. For me, it's always just been my testimony. You know, I talking to somebody and said, you know, well, I've been through something similar to that, and here's how God helped me through it. You know, um, some may just kind of shine that on, as we would say back in the sixties, and go, oh yeah, that's good for you. But uh, I know one person indiv- individual that did that, and about three weeks later, he's coming back and said, tell me a little more about that. This thing got a little bit worse in his life, and he thought maybe I need to listen a little bit closer. So uh, again, just sharing, uh, sharing with other folks. Um, what God, what God has done for us, um, and then obviously when we when we look at the the section of that is none, none other is so loving. Um, anybody want to take a take a, a guess at what the verse would be for talking about how God has showed His love? I'm, just, I'm sure somebody knows what it is. There you go, John three sixteen. Uh, you know, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Um, there's also another verse that talks about no greater love is it, you know, that, that a man lay down his life, uh, you know, for, for his brother. So, but, but John 3.16, when, when that, I'm sure that's what that, that's what that preacher had in mind when he, when he penned those words about none other is so loving. I can't imagine that he could write that without thinking about, about John 3.16. Um, Let's look at Ephesians 4.32. A few pages back, Ephesians 4.32 says, And be ye kind one unto another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, even as God for Christ's sake hath forgiven, has forgiven you. Again, it's that love. It's the love of God that he has forgiven us. And there's several uh, stories in the scriptures about how if Christ was to forgive us the way that he did, why shouldn't we be forgiving of other people? Um, I, think, I think people hold on to grudges over silly stuff far too long. I hear, I hear stuff, you know, work is virtual now, so you have Zoom meetings, and everybody gets to the Zoom meetings a little early sometimes, and some people like to talk about things. And I'm sitting here listening to the stuff, and I'm going, that is so petty, you know. But they're, they're upset about it, and, and you know, I'm going to have to talk to him about this, or I'm going to do something about it. And I'm thinking, you know, uh, and mostly people I, that I know, I know they don't go to church, at least I don't know if they're saved or not, but to, to hang on to some of these petty grudges that we have over, over things with people, it's, it, it's really sad because in the grand scheme of things, it just it, it doesn't matter, folks. I mean, you know, if somebody, wants to, if somebody wants to argue with me about, did, you know, did Christ really die and did he really, you know, rise again, then yeah, we got we got to talk about that, because that's us saith the Lord, and, and there, there's some things that we need to be dogmatic about, but a lot of these things that I hear people in the world discussing, um, I think, I, I know one, one call went for like five minutes about people saying, well, I don't think they deserve to get $1,400, you know, <laughs> what, how much, how much brain cells and time are you using talking about things like that, I mean, uh, Let's talk about things that matter. Let's talk about things like your salvation and your relationship with God, your creator, you know. 
uh, if you want to some, spend some time talking about things. So, um, again, so this, you know, within, within the body, and, and again, I know every time that, that, you know, Matt invites us over for dinner, we've got a large group of people. It, it, there's just a sweet spirit in the air. And, and to me, that, you know, those fellowships that we have where we, where we meet at people houses or we have a fellowship here, they just, they just really epitomize, I think, what, the, what God intended the body of Christ to be like. Uh, it's just such a refreshing joy to be around believers and to fellowship with believers uh, because you know tomorrow we're going to be back in the world and it's, it's going to be ugly and it's going to be dark. And, and so I, I try to treasure these moments that we have with, with in fellowship you know, for, for what it is because it, it's, you're not going to find it in the world. Um, and then the, uh, the refrain on, on that particular song says, He lives, he lives, Christ Jesus lives the day. He walks with me and he talks with me along life's narrow way. He lives, he lives, salvation to impart. You ask me how I know he lives, he lives within my heart. And I think that's, that's, a, that's why I held the refrain to the end because I think if nothing else, what I wanted to share tonight is, is just for you to have an introspective, and, and this goes for me as well, just to, to, to consider almost daily how much does Christ live in our heart? Is he really in our heart every day. He should be. But again, I, I, I'm probably as much of a failure as, as some of you are. It, it, it's hard. It's that easy. It takes us to remind ourselves of what Christ did for us uh, and, and keeping him in our heart and, and to, to realize uh, that he lives within my heart. Uh, look at Colossians 2.6 with me, if you would. Colossians 2 and 6. It says, As ye have therefore received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk ye in him. Same thing, keeping Jesus in your heart. We are supposed to walk in him and with him. Just to, Again, just another verse as a reminder. Um, in Acts 4.12 it says, there is, there, Neither is there salvation in any other, for there is none other name under heaven given among men, where must we be saved? Not only do we have the only living Savior, um, we have the only name by which we must be saved, and that's Jesus Christ, our Lord. Uh, and, and then, lastly, let's turn to Matthew seven fourteen. Because in that refrain, it talks about, talks with me a long life's narrow way. Uh, Matthew 7, 14 talks about because straight is the gate, narrow is the way which leadeth unto life, and few there be that find it. And that's unfortunate. I mean, God has sent his son that all may come to the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. But here it says few there are that, that find it. Everybody's thinking nowadays that they're, they've got their own way. They, they, they found a new way or they've got their own way to get to heaven or to be right with, with their concept of a creator. And, you know, we've got all the denominations and all the different religions in the world because somebody came up with a new way uh, to get there and a, and a new thought or a new direction. Um, and, and yet, again, if you go back to the Word of God, it's narrow. And it's, it's not narrow in that it's not enjoyable it's not narrow in that it's a burden. It's not narrow in that you're just going to have a miserable life. It's narrow in the fact that there's, there's one way that, that the creator 
of heaven and earth gave us to be saved, and that's through the shedding of his son's blood on the cross of Calvary. So it's narrow and respected. No, you all, all roads don't lead to Rome. You know, uh, there's only one road, and it's a narrow way. And, you know, there's another verse that talks about, you know, and you're about the broad path, the broad way. And, and there's a lot of people going down that broad way and forsaking the narrow way, which is, again, we have to share with people with, with what's in our heart and, and uh, help people understand uh, that they need Jesus Christ in their life to, to get them, uh, get them saved, get them headed in the right direction, and work with them. Uh, so, again, you know, it's, it, it's a song, but that, that song I, I, I enjoy, and I just I kind of sat down this afternoon and started thinking what, you know, what verses might uh, this Presbyterian minister have had in his, in his mind or in his heart when he, when he penned this, and so... I'm sure there's there's probably many others uh, in there, but that's uh, that's what I came up with. And, and whenever whenever I, I get the privilege to stand here before you, one of the things I want to make sure is that uh, you get some Bible. Uh, if you don't, then I'm I'm not doing what I was called to do, and that's that's share the gospel and share the scriptures with you. So um, let's just take a minute and go to the Lord in prayer, and we'll we'll be dismissed. Father God in heaven, Lord, we are again so thankful uh, for your master plan of sending your son that he might die for our sins, Lord, uh, and, and take upon those on the cross of Calvary that we might have a way to salvation. And it's a narrow way, Lord, but it's, it's a glorious way. It's a joyful way. It's a pleasing way. It's, it's a rejoicing way. It's a righteous way, Lord, uh, that we have now before us to, to accept Christ's sacrifice on the cross for our sins, a, a, a debt that he... He did not owe, Lord, and one that, that we couldn't pay. Uh, so, Lord, we do thank you for your mercies. We thank you for the scriptures that you have given us uh, that we've been able to read tonight, Lord, about uh, your magnificence and, and your love for us, Lord. And we just pray now that as we go out from here, we'll endeavor to, to put the love of, of God in us, Lord, that we might, we might live uh, with Jesus in our heart, Lord. And we just ask these things in the precious name of Jesus, our Savior. Amen. Thank you.